that's it for that paper tonight. And if you guys have questions, please write them down. I did not see any of them as they were posted, but uh, I do have, uh, I think Sarah's here tonight. Sarah E, good. Hopefully she can write them down, come up when we're done. Uh, I'm going to start reading through part two tonight, my other paper. And this is called the Sasquatch and Johnny Whiting, or just Sasquatch and Johnny. And um, the reason I chose to do this is, as I started out saying, that we brought in on Thursday Sean, or Walking Bear, to talk about his experiences in shamanism growing up with the Cree tribe in North, uh, like in Canada and that area. And he's, I, we had talked beforehand about many things he would discuss. And I had no clue that he was going to talk about Sasquatch and his experiences with them. That very morning, I published an, an interview that I had done with an individual who, um, you know, he had multiple experiences with Sasquatch. Uh, he, he's a very nice individual. He lives about 30 minutes down the road from me. I discussed that in here. At the time, I was in, living in Ireland. And so, you know, we weren't even close to each other. But I want to go through this. And a few, if you guys knew me a few years ago, I was calling up a lot of people and recording conversations with them and writing bios. In fact, I've done much on Rob Skiba that phone conversations late into the night that I still have yet to publish. I have a lot of Rob Skiba interviews out there of just him going through his life and talking about them. And this is what we'll be doing next Thursday when I bring um, Rick Hummer back on. And he'll be taking us through his life and he'll be a part of the uh, interview process where I'm going to be writing it down and writing his bio. And I've already done some on it, but I'll be adding to it. Anyways, this is called the Sasquatch and Johnny. Uh, and here it goes. This will be uh, released in an upcoming uh, magazine release. Pro I don't know, August, September, October. I'm not really sure yet, but it's going to be coming up here real soon. So you can kind of see that I'm formatting it for that. A PhD in dogma. Johnny and I had never met, though as it just so happened, he lived a hop and a skip down Highway 17 with his family, precisely 30 minutes from my South Carolina home. As convenient and practical as our close proximity sounds, I was away on extended hol holiday in Europe at the moment, hunched over on the floor of a centuries-old cottage in the countryside of Ireland, taking his call. Our meeting would have to wait. Like so many others, Johnny had a head-on collision with my work while risking another reconnaissance mission in the Matrix, and in so doing, had heard my complaint that it seems as though everyone in the lower 48 has a Sasquatch resident, except for my own state. There really aren't any sightings in South Carolina. I don't get it. They have them in North Carolina. They have them in Florida. I don't know. What, they have them in Georgia. I don't know why he skipped South Carolina. I don't get it at all. His reply was that I shouldn't be too sure about that. He, he thinks that they are here. Naturally, I wanted to know the ins and outs of Sasquatch as they pertain to his own experiences. And in South Carolina, if at all possible, which he never saw them here. But there was something else that he wanted me to know first. I have a doctorate in theology, he said, making sure to bookend his statement with a pause for effect. It was there while earning his doctorate in biblical exposition at, uh, it was at Mult Multnomah Bible College in Portland, Oregon, that Johnny began questioning many things that Christianity teaches as a point of dogma from the pulpit though more often than not takes uh, for granted among the laymen 
in the pews. When Johnny asked questions, the wrong questions among the right people, wait, reverse that, he would be told, well, that's something you should just, you just need to pray about. That's probably something you guys have gotten a lot of too. Mm -hmm. Questions as they regard things like Christmas trees. Martin Luther brought a tree into his home, you see, and quite suddenly it was all the rage, despite passages in the Bible which forbid such acts, such as what can be found in Jeremiah 10. The way this supposedly works is that Johnny was supposed to pray about it, you see, and the authenticity of the responding voice on the other end of the line would depend on whether or not he was still questioning the Christmas tree experience. Hopefully that makes sense to you. I don't think that Yahuwah would leave us hanging like that. I don't think he wants us to be without instruction. He gave us instructions. They're in the Bible. So I don't think we are left without knowing how he wants us to do things. There were other observations far exceeding the Christmas tree issue. I started noticing in Malachi and in James, where in both places it would say that God does not change. But then even with the Ten Commandments, Johnny noticed the glaring error. Christianity was saying we didn't need to pay attention to the Sabbath. That's the fourth commandment, by the way. But yet, what was the one thing that people would say to Yeshua when they would ask him, what do I need to do to be saved? What did he constantly say? He would say, follow the commands. He wouldn't say the first thing, uh, he wouldn't say the first thing was to follow him. He would say, follow the commands. If they said they did that, then he would say, good, then come follow me. Over time, I started noticing the correlation between what we call the New Testament to how the apostolic writings are actually just teachings about the Old Testament and the prophets. So if all of these writers writing letters are writing about Yeshua and then writing about what he did came from the Torah and the prophets, and, we, and what Yeshua talked about was he would say, I do not give you a new command, but an old command, then what is the issue with being obedient to his commands? His decision to pay attention to the fine print and the little details would bring him into conflict with the religious leaders. Sasquatch. In 1985, he was 17 years old and living on the opposite end of the country. I was always skeptical until I saw one, he said. His first encounter happened while exploring a place called Silver Falls in Oregon. If you're not sure where that is, it's kind of towards Mount Hood. It's southeast of Portland. It's right on the edge of the national park out there. One of the things the Pacific Northwest is known for is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles of just dense woods where practically no one has gone for hundreds of years. And I was walking along a Forest Service road out there by Silver Falls because I wanted to go out and get some pictures of these waterfalls that were along the trail. And there was a creek that was running along my right side, down the slopes from the trail. And there was a hillside going up on my left. I was walking along the trail and I came upon an opening in the trees. So he's, he's like a meadow there on a slope on the right side. The hill on my left was covered in trees, but the slope going down to my right was wide open. When I came out, I noticed in the middle of the slope, about halfway between where the trail was and the edge of the river, there was a big moss-covered tree stump. And if you've ever been in the woods of the Pacific Northwest, 
you have moss-covered tree stumps everywhere. Now, I'm going to pause here because one of the things that Sean Walking Bear talked about on Thursday night was that the connection between Sasquatches and trees and how they're shapeshifters and they can conform and become trees. And that really excited me because this is something that I've looked at too and I was in agreement with. And in fact, this interview I gave was back in 2019. I'm just now getting around to publishing it. In 2019, and when he told me about this tree stuff, I was like, I was really intrigued. I'm like, uh, Johnny, I interrupted him. I'm like, Johnny, so you're saying that the tree became Sasquatch. I'm giving away the story, but this is the, the tree stump here. And he's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm like, but, but you said you saw it. It was, it was a tree stump. You're like, yeah. And that, that's what, and he's a really nice guy. But, you know, this is part of the, you know, his worldview was that there is nothing spiritual at all about these creatures. They are just gorillas. So even though he had an experience of seeing a tree stump become a Sasquatch, it goes beyond his worldview and it cannot be true, right? This is something to think about, you know, you know, it's a headache, right? Trying to make sense of Western, Western ideals of what is reality versus what is true reality. Uh, the creature, the Sasquatch, failed to take into account his peripheral vision because as Johnny moseyed along the trail, he turned his head and in the corner of his eye, he saw the tree stump, which he had taken for moss a moment earlier, stand up and start walking. And so I whipped around and this enormous upright ape was walking up the hillside and looking at me all the while. And he was covering that distance in the matter of a few strides. The trail that I was on was just a little bit wider than a single lane road. And when I got up to the edge of that trail, it covered that distance in about a step and a half. Just you know, right across the trail, just one, like one step in the middle and then a half to the other side. And it turned to the right to look at me, and now I'm the smallest male in my family. I'm six feet tall. That's still pretty tall. My brother was six foot nine. My dad was six foot five. My uncles are much taller than that than I am. So I got a pretty good idea of height. The thing had to have been between eight and a half and nine feet tall, which is pretty common uh, height experience. I was no more than 15 to 20 yards away from it, and it looked down at me. And it was walking as it turned to stare. I noticed that it didn't just turn its head. It turned its whole upper torso to look at me as it was walking. It was at that very moment, given that a mossy tree stump with legs was taking two or three strides across the trail, that Johnny thought about the rather inconvenient truth. That thing was between him and the car and the remaining populace of the state of Oregon. His only other option was, uh, was running through the woods, hoping not to scream as he did so. It was a scary moment. It was then that I had one of those oh no moments. Is it going to kill me? Of course, I've seen bears and all sorts of other critters in the forest, and this was very distinctly nothing like that. It walked into the woods and walked up this very steep hillside and disappeared, and I could hear it going through the trees. The creature wasn't climbing up the mountain slope as any normal bipedal human might. No, it was walking. Part two, Sasquatches. You like how he did that? I did like alien and then aliens, so Sasquatches. Just one state north of Oregon, 37-year-old Johnny Whiting. So he was 17 before, now he's 37, long jump in time. Was breathing in the crisp car mint scents of the Washington rainforest just outside of uh, Ording, 
compliment uh contemplating his recent medical discharge from the Navy. He was living there and it was something like 2005 or perhaps it was 2006, he couldn't recall. Johnny paused to contemplate the year over the phone. What is far more reliable than any timestamp, however, is the creature that he saw. A person doesn't have an otherworldly encounter and then forget something like that. I don't know, if you, have you guys ever been like in the woods and you're hiking through the woods and you, you turn a corner and then there's like a bear right there in the trail. And the bear looks at you and you look at the bear and you just feel like in that moment, like you like you, you can feel the presence of another living thing, like another, you know, another conscious being. It's, it's such a, you know, it's one of those profound things you don't really forget easily. If you read anything about Ording, it has the highest concentration of Sasquatch's sightings anywhere in the world. Of course, I didn't know that moving there. He was hiking through an old ghost town, though the name of the place now evades him. I was actually trying to look into ghost towns, and I don't want to speculate, but there are some there in Ording uh, in the rainforest. It was out towards Mount Rainier National Park, and it was on a road that was an old ghost town, he said. He went along the road, which led directly through the, that ghost town, pausing to inspect the inside of its buildings, and then he continued on towards the end of the town. It had to have been early to midsummer because the blackberries were in season. There were a lot of blackberries on the bushes. Coming around the bend, he observed a group of trees growing on either side of the road, and out from behind this large cedar tree, out stepped this thing. And I thought it was a person at first, and then when I got a good look at it, I could see that it wasn't any such thing. It was another Sasquatch, only this one was female. Instinctually re uh, recollecting what had happened some two decades earlier, Johnny stopped dead in his tracks. She kind of stood there in the way, he recalled, completely conscious of his presence, but not moving. She then turned to her left as though her mind was occupied with whatever waited in the bushes. Johnny waited, the creature waited, and then a juvenile came out from under the shadow of the tree line. She scooted him along as a parent would to get his child to move. And so it started going along the trail behind her. And she turned and looked at me again and then turned and started walking behind it. Johnny continued watching as the pair moved away from him at a rapid pace. The mother turned as well, curious as to Johnny's curiosity. And of course, you don't want to piss off a mother in the woods, right? You piss off a a male in the woods and you could be, you know, drinking buddies afterwards, but a mother will kill you. <laughs> Especially the alligators out here too in South Carolina. The, the, the mothers are the ones you gotta look out for. After it after it had gone along maybe 50 yards, it reached down without breaking its stride and it grabbed a large tree branch that had fallen on the side of the trail. And it grabbed it as it was walking and it turned toward me and from 60 or 70 yards away, it threw this tree branch down across the trail. Crack. The creature even made a noise of its own, very loud. And this is still him talking here. Um, and uh, he made a thing, he made like a, uh, like it was an ew, aha, that's the way he, he uh, pronounced it. The sound of which echoed through the trees. You know, don't come this way, don't come follow us or you'll get it, mister, whoever you are. What I wanted to know is, is how Johnny's grill is stacked up with the 1967 Patterson-Gimley film. 
that one was also female he said in regards to the footage and actually it is if you look at especially it's been digitalized like all the old patterson gimlin films that we looked at in the 80s and 90s they were these poor copies of copies of copies it was grainy and fuzzy and you couldn't really make out much um, but now it has been so proven to absolutely not be a hoax i mean it's like that is clear it has been with the modern digital copies we have it is so obvious like you can see all the details of the face you know breast and everything just what a very different sasquatch film that we saw back in the day i think the one i saw had more brown fur than the one in the patterson film the one in the film looked almost black it had very distinct breast on the front on the pectoral area contrarily with uh with his first encounter you could definitely tell it was a male broad-shouldered barrel-chested and the arms were extremely long but it still had a very long stride in his step i personally think there's some type of upright walking ape kind of like a uh was a, a giganto fitticus you guys probably have seen those uh pictures I don't attribute any kind of supernatural forces to them. Now, this is him responding. I'm just kind of giving his opinion. I you know, believe that there's something very spiritual, supernatural about these creatures. I don't attribute any kind of supernatural forces to them. The ones that I've seen, they act and appear like apes. They have very ape-like features. If you combine a chimpanzee and a gorilla, you get how they appear in the face. And when the, that female made that sound, that's the sound that I've heard gorillas make. Now, I've gotten into scuffles with my brothers. I just thought how much bigger and uh, heavily built it was. This thing is the king of the woods. If it and a grizzly bear had a scuffle, the grizzly bear, it seemed to me, will come out on the hard end of the stick. They're very powerful. When I saw the female one, the wind was coming at me from the direction of where the female was, and I could smell the distinctive smell that people talk of having. It's, it's very musk, not a sickening sweet smell like a skunk. I've heard people describe it as a rotting meat. I wouldn't describe it like that, but it's pretty close. It's a very musky stink that they have. I've heard some people say they only put out that smell when they're startled or they're on the edge in some way. Whatever these are or wherever these are at, they are the kings of the woods. That's the one thing that I can tell you. I don't think they're ne necessarily aggressive, but if they needed to be, they could be. But they don't like to be where the people are. I think they try to avoid people at all costs. And then the next Bigfoot encounter is called Howl. Not too far away from his boarding home was an old unused rock quarry. These Sasquatches would go into that rock quarry because it was shaped almost like an amphitheater. And they could go in there and do their howling. And from our house, you could hear them. If we, if we went outside at night, you could hear them when they were in that quarry doing their howling, and they would echo across the valley where we live. I think that's a pretty haunting picture to think about that. A coyote or a wolf make that very distinct, well, that sound. But then if you, if you were to say the word howl, very sharp and very loud, as loud as you can, that's what it would sound like. It, the way he described it, if you ever saw the Twilight Zone episode that I talked about where Satan is released from prison and they tell you that that's what caused like the world wars and stuff like that, that Revelation 20 was fulfilled. Uh, he actually, it's called the howling man. And he makes the same like howl kind of sound, kind of interesting. 
Imagine if you were shouting in a very large hollow tube, like a 12-inch PVC pipe. That's what it sounds like. It's not at all a howl like a coyote or a wolf. It's not that long trailing sort of thing. And at times when I've been in the woods going fishing or hunting or something like that, I have also at times heard their gibberish that they do. I've heard multiple reports about this, the gibberish. Um, Karen B. talks about it. She lives in North Carolina, and she hears the gibberish. Uh, like sometimes they'll be right outside her window, and she'll hear them out there talking. Or they'll be off beyond the tree line. You know, people on her property have seen them, and so on and so forth. They communicate with each other, and I don't know what you really call it, talking, but they make these mouth noises that they communicate with each other. When you're nearby and they don't know that you're there, they'll make these noises, the gibberish. And at times, if you're being especially quiet in the woods and one of them is nearby, you can hear it. The year was still 2005 when Johnny took his four-year-old son down to the river to play. Johnny had made a leather sling and wanted to gather smooth stones from the water. On the other side of the river was a strand of trees which formed on the bank but then continued on up the hilltop. His son gathered the rocks. Johnny then loaded them into a sling and let them rip. He chucked one stone into the thickets on the other side of the, the river and went crack, 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 went the, sound of, went the sound of its ricochet. He loaded another and let her rip, and then another and another. The river was about 30 yards across, so it was a pretty good wide expanse, Johnny said. The next thing he recalls is a very large sploosh in the water. He could then hear it cracking into the stones at the bottom of the river. Was it salmon? He looked around but couldn't see anything else. So he rolled another rock from his son and, oh, I'm sorry, he collected another rock from his son and slung it into the tree line on the opposite end of the river, taking careful notice of the cracks as it ricocheted against the bark of the trees. I then saw a rock. It was slightly larger than the size of a football and it came flying out of the trees up in the air. It was like someone launched it out of a catapult. It came sailing through the air and it landed about 20 to 25 feet away from me and then went through the little comic book, a uh, little special effect there. He was standing in the splash zone. My son and I just stood there with our mouths open and seeing the size of that rock, there's no way a human could have thrown a rock that big that far. I don't care if you're Dolph Lundgren or Arnold Schwarzenegger, you could not throw a rock that big that far. Quite, quite unlike his two, uh, his last two encounters, Johnny chose the next selection as, inst as instincts go. And so I reached down, I grabbed a handful of pebbles, and I put them in that sling and flung it across there. So now he's going on the offense. <laughs> a dozen or more rocks hailed down upon the trees, violently ricocheting among them. Nothing came back at him this time. Whatever was there, whatever was over there on the other side started its retreat up the hill. I could hear the steps on the ground the entire way. As it moved up the hill, pushing its way through the forest, the trees were moving. So that's a huge giant that he, we don't even know if that's a Sasquatch. I mean, it could have been anything. The thing was gigantic. And that was his final encounter.